Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. All right, let's get this kind of late summer, early fall season kicked off. Recently, I was asked a question that just kind of stopped me, not because it was really a in-depth or special question, but the way it was asked. Somebody asked how I deal with stress. Now, pretty simple question, but what they did was they took out assumption. They they didn't assume or, or they didn't wonder if I deal with stress. They assumed that I did because we all do. So this question kind of got me thinking about how do I deal with stress? And even more so, how do other people deal with stress? How do high performing indi- individuals deal with stress? So we got our buddy, John Russin on this podcast who's been on before, who's just crushing it in fitness and physical therapy and all kinds of avenues. He's doing so much. And obviously he has to deal with some level of stress as well. So we covered stress. We covered a lot of other projects that John's doing and really just the nature of physical therapy, fitness, all these good things that we love talking about. So let's get into it on this episode, Therapy Insiders Podcast. What's up? Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Sharakabad here with Dr. Urson Religioso and Dr. John Russin. John, I'd, I'd say you're a guest, but like at this point, we've talked so many times and, and done so many collaborations. You're almost like a, a guest host at this point, man. No, I appreciate being back on. Uh, I think this is my third appearance on Therapy Insiders, but Gene, I feel like I'm talking to you every other week and uh, putting some big things through on the idea board. So I'm, I'm happy to be back on and talking some shop officially. Awesome, man. Always a pleasure to have you. Urs, how about you, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, Gene. Getting ready to uh, to release a new product next week. Can't say what, but uh, <laughs> I want to talk to John about it later. <laughs> You're going to tease it like that? and oh, can, we, can we have at least like another hint throughout the throughout the episode? Do a, like a middle middle episode hint and then at the end, just like a big <laughs> teaser. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just remind me. See, this is what I was talking about last week when I was listening to your guys' episode. I was like, Erston is always on the verge of innovating something that I didn't even know could exist. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm not innovating. I'm just I'm just doing things uh, in a more systemized way. And then I don't know if I'm innovating. This is no innovation. If the innovation is bringing a, a good product at a better value to the masses, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, I guess that's innovation. I agree. The edge pain science tool. <laughs> I'm about to release. I am about to release a course like that. The recovery system, modern patient education, but that's not, uh, that's Dr. Andrew Rothschild's another up doc guy. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Awesome. Otherwise, aside from that, we've had a, we had a couple week uh, period here since our last podcast, we had Memorial day holidays, a lot of stuff 
going on. Um, so we can kind of catch up from that. Personally, I don't know if you guys saw the news in, in our town in Ellicott City, we had another crazy flood, uh, which wiped down the historic um, downtown area of, of the town. So two, two years ago, I'll give you the quick rundown here. Two years ago, we were going to put the original recharge in that downtown area. So we had a, a, an LOI or letter of intent on a building there a week before the first flood happened. Like the first flood, they called it a quote unquote a one in a thousand year flood. So wiped, literally wiped the town out, not, not metaphorically or symbolically speaking here, literally took out the town. So we, we obviously moved away from that, still worked with the leasing company, moved to where we are now, recharge. And then um, last week, another flood, worse than the one two years ago, wiped the town out again. And this is like, this is mom and pop shops. You know, this is a downtown historic town. Any any Main Street town, probably in, in your cities, you have similar stuff. It's just really awesome walking towns. You go with families and it's, it's hardworking people and small business. And to me, like that, that's just, that's just a slap in the face for perspective, right? Like it helps you understand like the stuff that we're doing and us having digital kind of uh, arms of our businesses, which is great. You know, our biggest concern is Wi-Fi going down some days. Um, but like, <laughs> that would be an emergency. It, it is a big problem, but like something like this, where it, it's your, your well-being, your family's well-being, your, your, your lifeline gets wiped out. I mean, it, to look at that, it's just like, it, it, it it's heartbreaking, you know? Um, so it, it's tough. So that, that forced me to, to really kind of look at things. Um, life, I, I feel like forces you to, to have perspective changes once in a while. And, and you really should do that. Um, I don't know about you guys. Do you, do you have like perspective moments like that, John? How about you? Yeah, anything like that. Uh, I feel like we all live in this little bubble, especially in our industries. Uh, we're around great people all the time. We're around usually flourishing businesses, flourishing professionals. And when real life hits you in the face, uh, it's definitely a humbling experience to actually take what you have at your disposal for granted. Um, you know, going home to your families, going home to your house, having your offices and your gyms and all that stuff running still, it's, uh, it's definitely a step back moment. Uh, but I've been lucky last couple of years. I haven't had anything like that happen to our family or our, uh, our environment. So man, I, I feel for you. Yeah. It, it, it's so, it's so hard. Uh, what about yours? Uh, nothing, nothing environmentally, definitely not. But you know, I just, if you, I've known people in the past couple of years who've just lost people to cancer or they've come down with something serious or a child has come down with something serious yeah. and our community kind of rallies together. And that always definitely hits home. Um, but I think uh, Perry Nicholson said it on TI podcast when he was on it, just um, sometimes it helps to have the universe kick your ass <laughs> to, yeah. to get you in gear, you know? Um, I've even had a couple of health issues prevented me from like exercises and working out and, and nothing helps you, I think relate to a patient because I think, I think if you're like health and you're healthy and you're fit and everything's going right for you and this patient just keeps on talking to you about their problems, it's hard to empathize. You know, they say you can learn empathy and I, I I'm not necessarily sure how that's done. Um, but I think it's hard to empathize unless, unless you've had some sort of health issue. And I think it's, it's important. It's easy for me now that I'm getting older to have more health issues, <laughs> but it does help me empathize with people who otherwise uh, are not uh, otherwise not as healthy. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Both, both of you guys make great points. Uh, for me, I, I almost it, it almost has to be forced empathy, not in terms of fake empathy. It's not 
you know, I think fake empathy is almost sympathy. And most people don't want sympathy because they, they see through that. Uh, but uh, I'm finding myself almost forcing myself to say, no, don't disconnect. Don't, don't kind of go through the motions, actually connect, experience that, see what that feels like because knowing full well that it's not going to be great. You know, it, it, especially the longer you're in our industries, like you said, John, the, the longer you're working with people and the longer you're dealing with people that are injured, that are in pain, that have issues that are coming from a place of, of broken, not, not literally, but in a place of needing to be built up when you're constantly dealing with that, you kind of have to almost in a way, detach yourself to some extent and not always be in that and not always empathize, and not always take it home with you. But if you do that too much, you go and you run the danger of going the other way and you, and you lose out kind of on, on the little wins and, and the joy of, of helping people through that and being with people. And be, uh, one of the greatest things of our profession is working with people. So if you make that a negative by always dealing in the, in the, and kind of in, in the emotion of it, uh, becomes really tough. And then on top of it, when life does happen, like it, it's another layer that I feel like unless you prepare yourself and you're constantly floating through this kind of middle of going, experiencing the lows and the highs, um, I feel like it can be overwhelming sometimes. I think definitely in our profession too, we're just so used to putting out fires on a daily basis. And we're the ones that people look to when shit really hits the fan, like how are we going to get them back to their lifestyles, get them back to their goals, their sport, whatever it may be. And we're constantly around this kind of uh, stuff, which is good and bad. But for me personally, I sometimes forget to celebrate the big victories because again, they're, um, they're not as prevalent as the people that are truly struggling from the bottom and building them back up. So we maybe see 10 of those people a day. We might only see one victory every couple of weeks. That is like truly like a marked difference where they really achieve something that they never thought they would achieve. But sometimes we need to step back as professionals and just remember to celebrate those moments and actually enjoy those moments because they're not going to be on a daily basis like the other stuff is. But that's what fuels us. That's what continues to fuel our passions to be in a service profession. It should at least, right? I think that that's, that separates the people that actually want to do it versus the ones yeah. that are trying to sell something constantly. Um, <laughs> that, that, and, and you know, you know those people, right? After a while, you, you can see exactly who they are. Um, this this kind of leads me into a question that I was asked a couple of weeks ago that was uh, was very surprising for me because it's not a surprising question, but it, it surprised me. Um, somebody asked me, how do I deal with stress? Which to me was very surprising because one, it was, they made the assumption that I experienced stress, right? It wasn't, do you experience stress? It's how do you deal with stress? Which I think was great. It's a great assumption because we all do. Uh, but the other piece of it, the question that we usually hear is about burnout is, is when people go beyond the point of stress, when it becomes overwhelming. So this, this was like almost a preemptive, right? That proactive question of how do you deal with it? And um, it was really interesting to me because I feel like I, I started to think back. I'm like, have I actually ever been asked of all the questions that I get asked daily? How do you deal with stress? To me, it was just it was just an excellent question. So I'll I'll throw it out to you guys. Erson, start it off. How, how do you deal with stress? Well, I think people assume for whatever reason, maybe because I have such a big family that I'm more stressed <laughs> than I am. I think that it's it's inherently stressful to look at it from the outside, but I just. I don't take anything too seriously and I allow myself a good amount of R and R, you know, I, um, I make sure to work hard and be productive. We always talk about being productive for only 
you know, a few hours a day is enough. Um, you get all the menial stuff out of the way, but if I'm productive for a few hours, one or two days a week, I think that I've met all my goals that I set out for that week or that quarter or whatever. Um, I just try to spend as much time with my family as I can. Um, I make sure to exercise regularly. And after reading uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, who, which is an amazing book, and I recommend to everyone who's basically alive, um, I made sure to get uh, at least eight hours of sleep. And it also makes a huge difference. It really kind of changes your outlook on life. People, everyone thinks they can get along with like, oh, yeah, you know, I can get along with six hours a, a night. Um you might be living, but you're not really, you won't recover as well. You won't have as much energy. Five, oh, Gene, you don't even know what you're missing. <laughs> Who needs sleep when you have coffee, Urson? Right. I don't even need coffee anymore. I just drink it because it's awesome. What, what? You're living a sad life. <laughs> <laughs> I still drink it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, you know, it's exercise, sleep, recovery, and uh, a good amount of time away from work where I don't think about work. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> What about you, John? Well, I think what Urson is alluding to is falling back on a foundational habits that you have to have built out. When you look at recovery or stress in general, you look at it on a pyramid scheme. You know, there's those foundations of the pyramid, which are truly nutritional practices, physical practices, and then stress cycles. Of those things, you really don't have control over stress. You know, you can, uh, your, your kid could fall out of a tree break their leg, or you could have a fight with your wife. You, know, you might have control of that ladder. But there's certain things that you have to be able to fall back on because stress is not uh, unifaceted. It's multifaceted. So if you have things to fall back on, like Urson said, you're getting the requisite amount of sleep. Your nutrition is dialed in. Uh, your hydration levels, um, your relative daily habits that you can fall back on that can bring down that sympathetic response. Then when you're hit with that spike, um, you know, you can really negate it pretty, pretty quickly if you can fall back on, again, the daily habits. But where people fall into trouble is that they're running on the red all the time. They're redlining their system. And then the tiny little drop in distress is the thing that puts them over, blows out their engine, and then they're done for weeks, if not months, and they turn into this burnout, whether it's professionally, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally. And that's something that's really hard to come back from. So really just building out the foundation of that pyramid which isn't float tank, you know, it's not massages every week. Uh, it's not going in and spending <laughs> thousands of dollars on your recovery. It's mm. doing just foundational things. It's having a practice, being able to go out and play with your kids and walk for 10 plus minutes a day. The simplest things are the things that really compound over time and protect you from that huge sympathetic stress mechanism. It's not 30 minutes of foam rolling. <laughs> it might be, you know, a global foam rolling technique. It's a nice parasympathetic technique if you can actually use it in a systemized way. And that's uh, that can be a great way to reduce stress response. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can just pick it up and just beat the shit out of somebody with it. That, that works really well for stress relief too. <laughs> yeah. Boom, smash them. Um, yeah, that, that's great. I like, I like how you guys differentiate almost internal external factors of stress. I think that that's really important. For me, for me, everything comes down to systemization, which I mean, it's it's a matter of control, part of it, right? The, the more control you have, locus of control, it helps. Um, the, the big mindset for me for stress is um, I always think that I experience stress, I'm not stressed, right? Be, then then it becomes a transient piece that this this is an experiential piece versus this is me, part of me. 
So I know it, whatever happens is going to pass. So that that's always my baseline kind of mindset that whatever is happening, it's in the moment. And that, that it comes back, it comes back to practice mindfulness, right? That I'm experiencing stress right now. I am not stressed. It's not who I am. It's not part of me. And then I, I kind of created a systemized approach to that. So I, I go through embrace, assess, and then recalibrate. I used to like whenever I had a stressful moment, I used to almost deny it. I used to just go, no, I'm not stressed and just move on. Now I just completely embrace it. Whatever event happened, like you said, John, fight with wife, kid injury, whatever it is, you know, you, you can try to say, no, it's not happening. You can deny it and just go, I'm tuning myself out or also kind of alluding to earlier conversations, just embrace it, go at it and say, yeah, whatever I'm feeling is real. It sucks. I'm going to embrace the suck. Um, and then I'm going to assess afterwards what happened, why did it happen, audit the situation and look through kind of logical steps of it and then recalibrate once I assess and go, okay, everything I felt, um, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Now what, what can I do? Can I make this better? Right? Not, not always. I will make it better. Can I make this better? Can I improve on it and recalibrate that situation? And for me, that works. That works at this point for me, because I can, the, the time frame of it is always different, right? This isn't always like a 30 second type of boom, boom, boom. Sometimes it takes hours. Sometimes it takes more than that. Uh, but it, it, it's become a system that I've kind of lived by now. So stress is becomes an experience that comes and goes versus just kind of weighs me down. You know, maybe five years ago, I used to try to battle stress with all um, active strategies. So I'd feel stressed. I'd either work harder. I'd do something active. And even in the last couple of years that shifted, I've realized that, you know, stress is not an emotional response only. It is really largely systemic. Uh, it's chemical. And when you break that down, going back to what Urson was saying, sometimes I literally go to bed. I know it's 10 p.m. I'm stressed the F out. I know there's stuff that needs to be done. And I am mature enough at this point to be like, you know what? I need to get my sleep right now. And then when you wake up the next day, you can really take it on a lot better than if you were to really redline and go on two, three hours of sleep, which I used to do. So uh, looking at it from that perspective, it's not just your emotion and how you feel. It's, uh, it's chemically something that's happening internally within your systems in the body. And if you can kind of look at it like that, you can step away for a tiny second and actually expedite the process of getting rid of it by you know doing simple things like sleeping or just falling back into those habits like we were talking about before. Yeah, for sure. And I think the a big piece of the, of that John is that a lot of the a lot of times people look at distraction as a stress relief element, <laughs> which is not, right? To to I'm going to go work out now because <laughs> I'm going to feel better. They're not thinking people aren't thinking about the 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 endorphins and all that stuff. They're using it as a distraction. I'm going to do this so I don't so I don't have to think about the stress it's not, it's not, you're not, you're not course correcting there. You're literally distracting yourself and nothing gets solved. Um, so I, I like your mindset that what you're doing is you're essentially refilling the tank, knowing full well that you're going to get back into it. You're not avoiding and you're not being distracted for it. You're better preparing yourself to tackle it and deal with it, which, which is great. And especially as a coach and as a physio, if you don't have a good grasp of it yourself, how the hell are you supposed to teach other people to do it? You won't. You you'll just avoid it, and you'll be in a, in a little bubble of treating people through through just a little tube, which we know is not very effective. 
you know, it's baseball season. You guys remember seeing that movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt? He was supposed to be Billy Bean bringing yeah. out the A's, uh, doing all the new saber metrics and all that stuff. I, I distinctly remember this, seeing it for the first time. This is like 10 years ago now. And every single game, he gets so stressed out that he could not go into the stadium. He'd go down into the dungeon and he'd just crush himself with the weights. Like looking back at that now, could you imagine just having the sympathetic response through the roof, riding that sympathetic wave, like going under huge amounts of volume and weights? Like how do you feel the next morning? And that compounds over 162 games. I thought that was cool. I looked at him as like a role model 10 years ago. Like, man, this is how high performers perform. You know, if you're stressed out, you just let it go in the weight room. And now I'm like, oh, man, Billy, maybe that's why you're not in it anymore, you know? Yeah. I see in your med ball slams, John. <laughs> just, let slim, just let it go. that thing down to Australia. If we want to get technical, you know, something like a concentric only training technique like that, and that could minimize uh, stress that could actually maximize um, the redistribution of neurotransmitters in the central nervous system. But um, something like going under a one RM bench press and then doing that 16 times, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a good, good plan. No, no, pro- probably not a good idea. I mean, if, if we're going technical here, since, <laughs> since, since the sympathetic chain ganglion ru- runs right along the rib angles, you know, we can do a bunch of, uh, uh yeah, T-formative, <laughs> we do foam rolling at an angle while the spine is curved and nice and flexed. We could do some deadlifting in a flex position. Mm-hmm. Jay, what do you think, man? Heavy lo- loads <laughs> under flex positions? Uh, for, yeah. for, for, sympathetic, for sympathetic chain ganglion mobilizations, <laughs> not for performance. We're such dorks. Yeah, nobody's listening anymore. Everyone just, <laughs> just turned off. No idea what they're saying. Uh, but let, let's talk a l- little bit about, about training. I think it, it's an important thing. Obviously, you're cranking out a ton of content, which is awesome to see. Um, you got your programs going. FHT's crushing it. Um, every, everything's going well. I, I like I like the evolution of your content because uh, I feel like you're one of the only people that is consistent with foundational things. And what you do in, instead of saying, hey, look at this crazy whatever exercise, functional exercise, you show variety and ways to implement foundational and build on foundational. And I, I just, I don't see it enough, man. I, and, and thankfully you're getting good engagement. Looks like you're getting good views. Um, what's the mindset? What's the fo- Why is the focus so much on that foundational buildup? I mean, you guys know it as well as I do. Uh, we've been teaching courses for a number of years to some of the smartest people in the entire industry, physios, strength coaches, personal trainers, LMTs, everyone under the sun. When you get in front of some of these groups of these extremely intelligent people and they can't do the simplest of things, you take a step back and you go, whoa, maybe we shouldn't be focusing on the sexiest things that get people uh, intellectually excited. Maybe we should be stepping back and actually taking care of the foundational things that make up 80% of our movement practices. And for me, um, that's everything. That's how we program. That's how I assess. That's how we evaluate. And that's how we progress our athletes and our clients. So I I would be uh, doing people a disservice to be trying to make up exercises on the fly just to get Instagram hits uh, because that is a popular thing to do now. We, we stick with the, the foundational principles because the principles really truly never change. Uh, people will have different systems. They'll di- have different fundamental movement patterns, but most every expert will have, uh, you know, anywhere from four to six of the same. And, you know, you just can't rewrite that stuff. And really the power after doing it all is looking back at the slight variations of the foundational movement practices 
that can just be just enough to get the desired result without having to reinvent the wheel every single time you want to go and get a training response. So many times uh, we'll put up things that are just slight enough where it has a desired goal in mind. And that's enough to polarize our audience, who, again, is about 75 percent strength coach, physical therapist, fitness professional. And those are the people that we want to be targeting with my niche content. Yeah, and it looks like you're, you're definitely hitting it. Um, I guess to, to a large extent, RC kind of do the same for, for the clinical aspect of it. A lot of foundational ways to, to really implement a novel input in a really foundational, realistic way. Right. I think it took me well over 10 years to figure out that as the instructor, you always know more and you assume that your audience has this base knowledge that they should know with whatever the profession is. And many of them are just going on the same 10 things that they, that work for them, you know, and, and those 10 things might be very, very different than your 10 things. And they may have very different reasons. And I, I think you can't, you just can't emphasize enough the importance of having a good basis and a good foundation because you, everyone wants to learn the most advanced sexy things, but you can't go anywhere or you can't skip steps unless you know the whole system mm-hmm. and you have to go back to the basics to, to even learn the system. So yeah, I tried, I make everything as systematic as possible because people want, they want to be told, the majority of people want to be told exactly what to do. Very few people are kind of free thinkers. Most of them are, I guess, I don't want to call them sheep, but I mean, most people just need a program and they can't have a program without the basics. Some of the best coaches I know, some of the best coaches I know are system workers. They run the SFMA, they run the FMS, they run the Exos model, and they do amazing with their clients. You know, not everyone has to reinvent the wheel. We don't all have to be unique. We just have to get effective results with our clients and our patients. That's what, at the end of the day, that's all anyone cares about is results. I don't don't think people realize also that the basics are very effective in themselves. You don't need advanced (laughs) techniques to get great outcomes. No, and they're challenging. They're, they're, the basics are not easy, which I think is why, John, to, to your point, even the, the top of the top are losing them. They're, they're losing track of the foundation that built everything that they might have known at some point, but they're not sexy. They're not exciting. They take a lot of time and consistency and, and purpose. You have to be purposeful with the basics. You have to be purposeful with the foundational things um, where not everything, not everything needs that. And you lose track of it. We all do. We all, the, the more master you get, the more focused you get, the further away you move from that, that kind of foundation piece. Um, but you, you have to keep coming back to it. Otherwise you lose track of it. And it comes back. I think we talked about this person on the first or second, one of these, um, the difference between width to depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much width right now that there's so much skimming the surface <laughs> that you, you want to keep up with, the non-professionals almost because they do such a better job at connecting with the mass audience because the mass audience doesn't understand depth. They understand the surface of it. So somebody that watches your content and learns from you and regurgitates it in, in their words, they connect better with the audience than you do because they don't understand the depth of it. So then they become the experts and you're just like, you, you're, you're going to harm more than you do good. And then that, that's how it just keeps going and going. It, it's a vicious cycle out there. I'm, I'm, le- I'm leaving social media. I'm done. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going, I'm moving into the woods. I'm going to the Northwest. I'm going to find a nice little lot somewhere in, in, in the trees. Guys, you can come visit me, my tree house. It's 
it's going to be all it's going to, yeah. It's like every week we talk, when we talk about business and I have no idea what you're saying. I just regurgitate it and connect with people better. <laughs> you son of a. <clears throat> that is very true though. The, uh, the curse of superficial knowledge is it's definitely out there and it's because there's uh there's so much free content. Uh, you could Google something and you could have 58,000 articles on the same subject across the board. Of those articles, which ones actually deep dove into, uh, like Erson said, the systems, the way you actually take action on the information, very few and far between. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. I've written a lot, a lot of articles that have been published all over the place, and I have never once published an article that puts an entire training program together for somebody. I've talked about every exercise under the sun. I've talked about different schemes, different modalities, but never once have I actually put this stuff together. You know, that's what I look at people actually purchasing our programs to do. You know, you have all the tools, but you have no idea how to do them. I'll put them together for you to make it a system, to make it as effective as possible. But yeah, really, no one ever puts out the systems for free. Nobody, well, nobody that, they used to, you know, being a, a T-Nation guy for a number of years uh, early on in like my public career, uh, there'd be, there'd be free programs left and right, but the effectiveness of them uh, probably lagging a little bit. But speaking to this, the superficial knowledge and really knowing um, that we're teaching some of the best people in the world, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge of the simplest of things, or at least the ability to take action upon them. I had a coming to God moment uh, in my seminar a couple months ago in Los Angeles. I had uh, three people that I used to work with in my first job out in Southern California. We had the same mentors. We learned all the same systems. You know, we grew up together as professionals. They came and actually attended my course. And 10 hours of that 18-hour CEU course was all about screening, assessment, and pain-free programming of the squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, and carry. And after that course was done, which is very uh, fundamental stuff, you know, it's nothing sexy. This, uh, this coach came up to me after, I've known him for 10 years, and he goes, John, that was the most effective way to present this information that I've ever seen. And I know very well that this guy's done every course, he's had every great mentor, He's had all of the systems under his belt, but he said the way that it was communicated, I can use this with my coaches now because it is simple, it is systematic, and it makes sense. And that was the biggest uh, compliment that I've ever received uh, after a seminar. And that spoke volumes to me because this guy was as smart as any guy that would ever attend our seminars. And if he was blown away by it, we were on the right track, but sometimes, um, you know, it's hard to speak to a group because you have the, the ultra smart people and then you have the ultra savvy coaches and you have to kind of go somewhere in between to feed all of them and make sure that they get what they need out of your course. Erson, I'm sure you know this as well. Everyone's knowledge base is a little bit different, but being able to give somebody something that everybody could use, that's, that's the name of the game when you get into continuing education or having systems that could work for people. Right. Yeah. Gene said it before, our main goal is to really change behavior. And what I really look to is if I'm teaching like 30 to 40 people, I'm really only probably going to change maybe one or two behavior completely. And then I want to give maybe 50 to 75% of them one thing they could use every day. Yeah. You know, because you're going to be teaching a lot of things, but yeah. if they take away one thing they could use daily, I think it's a useful course yeah. for them. I think one of the most unique things now, like with courses or just meeting people at this point, is meeting people who are more interested or generally interested in learning, get excited about learning versus wanting to be heard. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like now people are much more interested in being heard, whether right or wrong, than not and be learning something new and just just having the curiosity and the constant need and desire to learn and implement and be better than regurgitate and put themselves out. And we all, the the nature of the beast now, we all have to put things out for business, for growth, for awareness. We're attention merchants. That That's what we are. That's what society is now. We're attention merchants. We deal in attention. Everything else is a byproduct of it. Every coaching, physical therapy, whatever it is, it's a byproduct of attention, um, which which is fine. But like you still have to come from a place of, of genuinely wanting knowledge and relevant knowledge. I think that's one of the big things that you're um, mentioning, John. It, it, you have to have relevance. You have to be able to connect. You have to know what the language the people are speaking at and talk to them in that language versus above them so you feel better about yourself and to be the, the, the master or whatever you're presenting. Th- that's unique, guys. I mean, that's just something that whenever, I, when I'm, whenever I'm around a person like that, one, I'm, my first response is like, I'm always weirded out because I'm like, dude, what's your agenda? Like, what, what are you trying to pull here? And I'm like, oh, hey, this is actually a genuinely nice person that's interested in learning. So it like, I, I have to recalibrate my brain to, to accept the person that they're genuinely just want to learn because uh, it happens so infrequently at this point. Maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe it's me living on the East Coast and being jaded. I don't know. Is it, is it just me? Well, I mean, we get, we get amazing uh, students in for our courses, uh, people that are truly there to learn the systems, to take actions on the systems and better help their, their clients. Um, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm sure Erson, I, I've been a student of Erson's courses. So like I was there to learn and I think if you're going to go and spend, you know, five, $800 on something, you're not there to just like be like, Hmm, what does this guy know? You're there to learn and improve your skills. Uh, and those are the kind of people that I want to be around. I get fueled by that being in front of a room of 50 people that are hungry to learn. They know your systems. They want to know more about it and ask good questions and actually elevate the level of what they're doing professionally. That's awesome because we've all been on the other side of things, you know, doing the big lectures to three or 400 people where people are checking their cell phones and falling asleep. Uh, I was at this monstrous FitCon for 30,000 people in Salt Lake City last month. And we had literally people walking out in the middle of the lecture. We had people standing up, literally talking on their cell phone, trying to find their friends in the middle of my lecture. And it was a totally different atmosphere. I was like, we had a couple of our coaches there. And I was like, man, I can't wait to do another one of our two-day seminars again because (laughs) I truly appreciate it after some of these other ones. Yeah, you guys attract a different crowd, though. I think by the time somebody (laughs) goes to one of your courses, they're bought in to an extent because we've had... John's, we've had Urson's at Recharge, and the, the people that came there were top-notch quality clinicians, right. learners. They, they're bought into a different world and a different it's, mindset. It depends on where they come from. You know, if it's coming from <laughs> my mailing list, if it's coming from the local host's um, connections, it's great. When I'm hosted maybe by like a hospital and there are 60 people there and only two of them have ever read my blog or anything, followed me on social media. It's a, it is a bit different. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes those courses surprise me, but more often than not, um, you know, you get things like, oh, the course is too basic or it's too advanced. Like <laughs> you, you can't please everyone. No, you know? right. 
Um, and I, I don't try to please everyone, but absolutely, uh, I think we have niche markets. And when you end up with our smaller courses hosted by hosts that we know and trust versus like just some random person contacting me and saying, I want to host you for my hospital, it's very, very different. Like I, I try to target all my my audiences every time I have a course, you know, I do like geo-targeting. So it, those, cor- those are the courses I look forward to. Yeah, yeah for sure. We got a we got a contract this year uh, worldwide with Equinox. So I go out to eight of their uh, metropolitan regions throughout 2018. And Equinox is an amazing, amazing educational company because they bring in all of the best experts in the world to teach in house to their staff. But going into the first one uh, in January, I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. Everyone's had Red T Nation, Bodybuilding.com, DrJohnRussell.com. I'd say about 50% of them did. And then because we get uh, course feedback every single time, uh, the course feedback was super interesting because a vast majority of it was great. But then you had the people that were like, this was basic shit. I can't believe that you talked about this for eight hours. And then we had the other people like, this was way over my head. I can't use any of this. And you're like, oh man, this is a tough audience. <laughs> yeah, you can't please everyone. I remember reading no. on uh, on Facebook, Greg Lehman was, was showing some of his feedback. And one of the feedback... <laughs> One of the feedback was uh, not enough research. Another one was too much research. So how, how could anyone ever say that he doesn't have enough research? Man, too much, too much. Well, yeah. I, I think that's a that's a great point. Well, first of all, for those that don't know, Equinox is uh, it's a fitness company at this point. Started out as luxury gyms all throughout, um, so it's really top notch, high end facilities um, all throughout. Really, really, really nice place. Uh, but yeah, like you can't please everyone, nor should you. But I think you have to have that same foundational mindset of come at it to learn. Always seek knowledge and better connection to your audience, to your customers, whoever it is to better their lives. And obviously, that's why you guys attract who you attract and keep going with it. So let's finish out, John. What are you most excited about for Q3, Q4, finish out 2018 for you? We got a couple of really big things uh, coming out. Actually, next month, uh, we have a mega product coming out on bodybuilding.com. It's going to be the first of its kind. Uh, it's going to be a way to effectively train around pain and nice. not have to go back into rehab, not be able to not train at all, but how to keep on going intelligently, but clean up some weak links in the process. So That's this is called about- alcohol. <laughs> But this guy is it's called Unstoppable and it's going to be out late next month and it's going to be a game changer because it's going to go instantly out to uh, over a million people overnight. So it's going to be something that uh, we brand new waters for us because, again, I'm very, very niche with our content and much of our programming and our systems. But this is going to go out large spread and it's going to be something brand new. We'll see. That's awesome, man. That, that's really exciting. Will you uh, give us a sneak peek once once it's out so we can uh, send it out to some people? Check it out. Yeah, the coolest thing about it is that uh, the price point to get in is so low. It's $8.99. And it's something that I spent five 16-hour days in Boise, Idaho to shoot with a 10-person production team. So this is like Hollywood style. That's with dedication. Really good content. And it's something that I hope everyone just like spends the $9 to actually go in and see. But again, uh, for people listening to Therapy Insiders, we are professionals. Like I said, 75% of my following are professionals in the industry. This is an end user product. So this is meant for somebody like our moms that have no idea about anything. They don't know what a hip hinge is. And how do you effectively do this if you have uh, some cranky lower back symptoms? How do you effectively lift if you your shoulders kind of been shit for 15 years? So it's things, 
<laughs> I'm not. No. So what? I actually, oh actually have, this I is this is groundbreaking, people. <laughs> this is groundbreaking. <laughs> I had a bodybuilding.com model though. So this dude, Ruben Brooks. Ruben Brooks is a monster. He's like six foot three, 255 pounds. He's shirtless the entire time. He's trying to do mobility stuff. He can't move anywhere. <laughs> so he was the perfect avatar for this program because we trained. We, uh, we did a lot of content. We did some screenings, self-screenings, and then uh, we put together these movement pyramids to actually bring you from the most regressed model down to the most progressive model of all six foundational movement patterns. But it's really humbling to watch somebody that is a pure athlete, you know, somebody that's going to step on the Olympia stage next, next year. And he was very, um, he was not a good mover. You know, he struggled with some foundational things. And if some stud like that is, we know everybody is. So it really just opens up the door to, being able to uh, be a little bit more humble with our movement practice, not having to be perfect on everything, but also knowing that always chasing uh, being a little bit better is probably the right thing to do if you are looking to be physically active to train for the longevity of your life. That's awesome. That's a huge need for that, for sure. But see, I think you you, you went wrong, though, John. I think, <laughs> you, I think you messed up. Instead of getting Mr. Olympia, you should have t- taken the film crew to the mall in Idaho, <laughs> picked out just like a random mom, say, Susan, Susan, can, can we, can we, Susan? Yeah, 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 you. Put down the potatoes. I, I, don't, I don't care that your name is Nancy. Susan, come here, please. Here's what we're going to do. Are you in pain? Yes. And then just boom, taking her through just like a random stranger. It could have been, it could have been Bob. I'm just, I, I think Susan makes more sense because I'm a lot, from what we hear, at recharge working with a lot of women is they are just they're just machines and i mean that in the best way possible they just plow through because look i have stuff to do i don't have time to care for myself which is heartbreaking and it, once we show them some of this some of these things that they can do it's just like boom they are machines <laughs> they're just like crushing it here and uh, I, I think like going to the mall and picking out some strangers would be Awesome. I was happy to have Ruben though, because for anyone who uh, knows bodybuilding.com and their strong branding, it's always about like the fitness model women. So the ones that come in all oiled up, like way more jacked than I am. Uh, (laughs) And I was waiting for that woman to come in and be my model. And I was just waiting for my wife to see the video for the first time and be like, "Mm, nope, nope, mm, nope. But then Ruben came. So it was all good. (laughs) Fair enough. But next, next series is going to be Susan. Yeah, right. <laughs> got it. Real, real people, real people doing real things in pain, I think is, is, is something that is also a big, big void right now. That'd be awesome to see. Yeah. Which would be awesome. What about you, Ursa? What, you got? what are you excited about? Let, let's hear that tease again. Give, give us right. something. Well, there's a certain product that I sell <laughs> that everyone thinks is my product and that it is not my product. And I've, I've been happily selling it for a couple of years, but then... I found a great manufacturer um, to make my own branded version of this. And I'm releasing that probably next week or the following week. Nice. You're finally going to release your own salsa? I am. (laughs) Religioso picante. That's such a cliffhanger. Now I'm just like sitting here, like twiddling my thumbs, waiting. Yeah, I'm looking through all like his catalogs. I'm a researcher who's validating my manufacturer's claims. Uh, under color ultrasound that it does what it does. <laughs> Can't wait to see your ultrasound heads, Erson. They're going to yes, be amazing. Yes, ultrasound. Yeah, ultrasound. ultrasound. <laughs> combo. Comes Dr. in. Dr. E going east in. Ten colors. Ten colors. 
Ayanto. Dr. Eastim. Dr. Eastim. Bring him back, Ayanto. Um, speaking of the, the, the wide versus depth, when someone published a guest post on Eastim on my blog, man, it got more hits than any post I've ever written, ever. All my posts put together combined never got as many hits as this did in one day that's, like, that's the saddest just, thing i've heard today i've heard a lot of sad things <laughs> unbelievable awesome awesome guys so for for us uh for updoc we have uh mm-hmm. we actually have an app coming out um that's going to be beta so it's it's for physical therapy businesses eventually probably personal trainers but it, it's an engagement platform for clinicians and their their customers um it, it's it's going to be a game changer i'm super excited about it. it's called health snaps you could actually download it now and play around with it. It's like it's like Snapchat slash Instagram for the clinic where you can share exercises, you can record patients doing it, you can have HIPAA compliant messaging. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. And then eventually it, what it does, it takes away my biggest pet peeve in our industry, which is discharge. We are the only freaking industry that takes customers and says, well, you're not our customer anymore. Like Apple does not say you're discharged <laughs> from being an Apple customer. Here's your iPhone. By the way, never buy shit from us again. <laughs> like nobody does that. It, it's delivering value. It's staying connected. It's having this engagement and, and relationship with the person because you know that they have questions. They want to ask you things after care. Uh, but we were like, no, you're discharged because insurance won't pay for it. So this this is going to be a way to, to keep that that relationship going. So I'm super excited about it. Health Snap's going to be coming out soon. We got Unstoppable coming from John. We got Picante coming from Urson. In 2018, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a huge year, huge 2018 finish for for everyone. Um, awesome. So if you don't follow John, which is probably not many of you that's going to be listening to this, but check out John, Dr. John Russin on Instagram, on Facebook, drjohnrussin.com. I've had the link up while, while you were talking, John. In case you can see it, but check that out as well if you're listening but haven't been viewing live. Um, awesome information, incredible. Aside from the paid content, which is going to be eight ninety five, just just do it. But a ton of free content, John. Like you follow our model is is provide value, give people stuff, let them see what you're about um, consistently, what you've been doing for years, uh, which is awesome to see, man. Um, so congrats on all the success, and I'm really excited for for more from you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And that's it. If you're uh, if you've been enjoying this format, check us out on iTunes. Type in Therapy Insiders. Please leave us a review. Uh, five stars would be great, and uh, just five stars. I'm not going to bother <laughs> with all the stuff. What's the only option? Just, just leave five stars. There's you know, only you five star option. That's right. Leave us the five stars. You don't have to write anything if you don't want to. Um, just give us the stars. Give us the stars, people. Uh, check out updocmedia.com. Check out the Modern Manual Therapy site at Therapy Insiders at the OMPT on the Twitters. Um, if you're still into that, for God's sake, do not send us emails. Don't email us. Send emails. Email me. Don't hit me up on social media. Email yeah, me. When I, when I say us, I mean me. Find us on Twitter. <laughs> find us on Facebook. Send us a message. More than happy to engage. Answer questions. You usually do. Uh, if you have questions that you want us to hit on the podcast next week, leave a comment below if you're watching this live. Or, again, tweet us out. Thank you to Brandon Smith for a comment. Will, a- Will W for saying hello. And Mandy Johnson throwing some truth that you didn't get to see because it's not a question, Mandy. It's a statement. This is about questions. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week on Therapy Insiders Live.